Well, tonight we, we continue our study in First Chronicles. We are covering chapter 22, which in this chapter <clears throat> goes over the preparation uh, of King David for the building of the temple, and then David's official and public commission of his son Solomon to build the temple, entrusting him to do so with what has been provided to him. And, and we'll see some details of that commissioning as we go through this chapter. You know, in the following weeks, other than the next two weeks, because uh, next week um, we have Jake teaching, and then the week after that we have a theology class. So I'm just telling that uh, you beforehand, don't miss out. Make sure you're here, um, because those are important um, lessons that we need to, again, just be consistent in coming and having fellowship and, uh, and sitting under the teaching of God's Word. But in the following weeks after that, we'll learn that what David does to organize the ministry of the temple, and we'll see the organization that surrounds the Levites, the priests, the musicians, the gatekeepers, the treasurers, and even the administrative staff, and the military, the army of Israel, as well as the leaders of the tribes, and the official and public commission of the people. So... Tonight, we'll see the official and public commission of Solomon, but in the coming weeks, we will see the official and public commission of the people to engage and participate in the building of the temple. As we learn and consider all of this, may we realize the importance of being organized within the local church for the building of the church, for the edification of the saints as it's covered in Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, and the glorification of Christ Jesus our Lord, as we are commissioned to make disciples of all nations and to do the work of leading people to Jesus Christ, to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So, Father, once again, we ask for your blessing upon this time of study. We ask, Father, that you would go before us, Lord, and, and that you would give us understanding and help us learn how to apply these things that we are about to learn about in First Chronicles 22. We thank you, Lord, and we, we commit this time into your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. So First Chronicles 22, verse 1 says, Then David said, Here shall be the house of the Lord God, and here the altar of burnt offering for Israel. And then he continue, it continues in verse 2. David commanded to gather together the resident aliens who were in the land of Israel. And he set stone cutters to prepare dressed stones for building the house of God. And David also provided great quantities of iron for nails for the doors of the gates and for clamps, as well as bronze in quantities beyond wane and cedar timbers without number for the Sidonians and Tyrians brought great quantities of cedar to David. For David said, Solomon, my son, is young and inexperienced, and the house that is to be built for the Lord must be exceedingly magnificent, of fame and glory throughout all lands. I will therefore make preparation for it. So David provided materials in great quantity before his death. Um, <clears throat> there's this word that we have here, or two words brought together, which, which are interesting, resident alien. You ever thought about a resident alien? What is a resident and what is an alien? Are they not directly opposed? <laughs> one's a resident, one's an alien, right? Well, these are the ones resident aliens who are being referred to here. These are people who are residing or living in a land for a long period of time, but to whom the land does not belong to. And therefore considered in the end, sojourners or pilgrims, foreigners. They're actually strangers to the land that they are living in. Who is referred to as resident alien here? In 1 Kings chapter 5, we see one account or an address of these resident aliens. So 1 Kings chapter 5, verse 13 
says, King Solomon drafted forced labor out of all Israel, and the draft numbered 30,000 men. And he sent them to Lebanon, 10,000 a month in shifts. They would be a month in Lebanon and two months at home. Adoniram was in charge of the draft. Solomon also had 70,000 burden bearers and 80,000 stonecutters in the hill country, besides Solomon's 3,300 chief officers who were over the work, who had charge of the people who carried on the work. At the king's command, they quarried out great costly stones in order to lay the foundation of the stones, or of the house, with dressed stones. So Solomon's builders and Hiram's builders and the men of Gebel did the cutting and prepared the timber and the stone to build the house. In First Chronicles or First Kings chapter nine, verse twenty, it says, "All the people who were left of the Amorites, and these are the details of the resident aliens, of the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites." who were not of the people of Israel, their descendants who were left after them in the land, whom the people of Israel were unable to devote to destruction. These Solomon drafted to be slaves, and so they are to this day. 2 Chronicles 2, verse 17 also notes them. I wanted to refer to those two areas of Scripture so that we have a better understanding of of who it is that's being referred to here in 1 Chronicles 22. Not only did David gather and provide the people resources to build the temple, but he also gathered and provided, as we know, all the materials necessary to build the temple. The people, well, we have the stone cutters. They were gathered. As far as the materials that are noted here, iron for nails, bronze and cedar timbers, and it's described here as being in great abundance. You didn't just gather a little bit. I'm just going to start you off, Solomon, and get you a little bit of everything, but I'm going to provide in abundance everything that you could possibly need. It was all in great abundance. But as I thought about it, because these were resident aliens, and we also know that the timber was brought in from Lebanon. There was much that was brought in from outside of Israel. It was interesting to me that the temple materials were brought in from Gentile nations. And there was much Gentile labor used to build the temple. In fact, they started out with the numbers that we just read. But we'll learn later that that number actually increased to well over 100,000. I think about other occasions where God used his people in Gentile nations, under the authority of a Gentile king or a pharaoh. Joseph was used by God to save Israel from succumbing to famine by serving a Gentile king, Pharaoh. Esther was used by God to save Israel from oppression and extermination in a Gentile nation and by Haman. Nehemiah was used by God to rebuild the wall around Jerusalem with materials brought in from Gentile nations as he served a Gentile king. And here we see how David gathered all the materials and labor necessary of all things to build the temple. The very place that would serve as a place to meet with God, to commune with God, to have fellowship with Him, to worship Him, a holy and sacred place. Listen, we know that Satan is a ruler of this world, the system that we are presently living in. We need to learn how to live in this world knowing that we're not of the world. In John chapter 12, verse 31, it refers to Satan as the ruler of this world. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 19, it says, We know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Things to consider, to discern in the midst of your day-to-day dealings. 
But John chapter 17, verses 14 and 15, it is the prayer of Jesus. And for you and I, this is what he prays. He says, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Let me ask you a question. How do we keep ourselves from the evil one? How do we keep ourselves from the world? We're in the world, not of the world. Jesus told his disciples, I send you out as sheep among wolves. Be as cunning as a serpent, but be as harmless as a dove. How do we do that? We actually need to use our minds. We need to be able to discern clearly that which is right and that which is evil. Because remember that at the moment you think, oh, I am absolutely not being used by by Satan. I'm, I'm in the world, but not of the world. Just remember Peter. Real quick note, remember Peter. Remember how it was that a couple weeks ago on a Sunday, we noted that Peter was rebuked by Jesus. Why? Because he was setting his mind on the things of man and not on the things of God. When Peter rebuked Jesus and told him there was no way, there was no way that he was going to go to the cross. Romans 12, 1 and 2 is just one section of Scripture which is consistent with other areas of Scripture. This is how we can live in the world but not knowing that we're not of the world. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. How do we keep ourselves from being of the world? Well, we devote ourselves to God. We abide in Christ as we allow him to transform us by his word and then live our lives according to scripture, according to truth, according to reality. For anyone who's under the age of 40, under the age of 30, 20, for the young people. And do not qualify as a young person. But for the young person, sometimes we make so many excuses for them. Honestly, they it was not a mistake that they were born at the time that they were born. And if you have no hope of the future of our kids and don't think that the Lord can really help them through and navigate through these issues then why'd you have them to begin with? I say this because you and I have dealt with specific and unique issues regarding the world. And each and every one of you were born for such a time as this. Listen, we have children as Christians Knowing that God is greater. Knowing that we can raise them up in the Lord. Hoping that they choose Jesus Christ. It's the same as it was when we were growing up as it is today. How can you keep your way pure? How can you be in this world but not of this world? Honestly, it's simple. And yet so difficult. Why? Because pride sets in and our own desires are chosen above the desires of the Lord. In Psalm chapter 119, verse 9, 
How can a young man keep his way pure? Well, the, que- the question is right there, right? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. It would be good for each and every one of us to note those verses. Psalm 119, verses 9 through 11. Study them. Commit them to memory. Refer to them often. Study to show yourself approved to God, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. You know, John 16, 33, Jesus said, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus warned his disciples, then as he does today. In this world you will have tribulation. Figure out, let's figure out, according to God's word, how to remain devoted to the Lord and keep ourselves from the world. You see, Jesus makes no excuses for your circumstances, but rather has equipped us with his word to deal with the world, even though we're not of the world. He has adequately equipped us by his word. He has filled you with his spirit. He has sealed you with his spirit for the day of redemption. And he is our guarantee. And one day we will be in his presence. He is able But for us, we, we are resident aliens who belong to Jesus Christ and are looking forward to living in glory in our home with the Lord for all eternity in his glory. It's an interesting word that actually applies to you and I in that way. We need to figure out how to be these resident aliens. This is not our world. Thank the Lord this is not our world. It is is being destroyed by the second. And at one point, all things will be made new. But one day we will be in his glory. Well, these resident aliens were used by God through David to do a work for the glory of God to build a temple. That's what they were used for. And in verse 5, again, it says, For David said, Solomon, my son, is young and inexperienced, and the house that is to be built for the Lord must be exceedingly magnificent, a fame and glory throughout all lands. I will therefore make preparation for it. So David provided materials in great quantity before his death. And so David identified Solomon as being his successor who will be tasked with building the temple. Uh, David confessed in this, confessed acknowledging the fact that Solomon, hey, I know my son Solomon is young and inexperienced. But you know, Solomon also confessed this truth. In 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 6 through 9. It says, And Solomon said, You have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart toward you. And you have kept him for you have kept for him this great and steadfast love, and have given him a son to sit on his throne this day. And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of David, my father. Although I am but a little child, I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern this, your great people? Solomon acknowledged the very same thing that his father had acknowledged and confessed. Young and inexperienced, well, Solomon regarded himself as, but like a child, a little child. He said, give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil. 
God did indeed give Solomon the wisdom necessary to discern between good and evil. And gave him also riches and honor because he didn't ask for that. So much so that there'd be no other king that compared to him. But at the moment, David is still king. And he is making all the preparations with everything necessary to build a house of the Lord. His desire, oh, this house of the Lord, it must be exceedingly magnificent. A fame and glory throughout all lands. But David wouldn't be around to see this. It was for his son to do, but it had nothing to do even with his son. It had everything to do with bringing glory to the Lord. That's what was in his heart. That's what he desired. And so David, I would think, because of what we've been reading, joyfully, purposefully, with a sense of urgency, provided his son with the blueprints to the temple, the materials and the labor necessary to build an exceedingly magnificent temple. He did this knowing he was not the one building the temple. Remember, David was a man after God's own heart. And the only glory that he was interested in was God's. He didn't need to receive credit for building the temple. Let that be a lesson for us. This was a man who humbled himself before the Lord. And we see evidence, and we see it in Scripture, how it is that he humbled himself, confessed his sin to the Lord, acknowledged it, and continued to pursue the Lord. He desired above all to have fellowship with the Lord. May we be humble. May, may we also not care about receiving any, any credit. He was doing all, all of this, you could say, behind the scenes. When Solomon came to the, the scene and when he assumed the throne, in fact, the temple, it's known as whose temple? David's temple, right? Oh, it's Solomon's temple. Solomon's temple. It's not known as David's temple. It's known as Solomon's temple. David, with what we've seen here, that didn't matter. As long as God received the glory. As long as it was used for the purpose that God has set, had set for it, forth for it to be used. What we need is for more of our sons and daughters to desire and ask the Lord for wisdom to know how to steward what they've been provided for by the Lord through parents and the ministry of the church. Just what Solomon asked for. David acknowledged that he was young and inexperienced. Solomon confessed that too. And then Solomon asked for something that was of far greater value than anything that the world could offer. Lord, give me discernment and understanding that I may lead your people. Well, it was now time to summon Solomon and commission him. And that is what we see here, beginning in verse 6. Then he called for Solomon, his son, and charged him to build a house for the Lord, the God of Israel. David said to Solomon, My son, I had it in my heart to build a house to the name of the Lord, my God. But the word of the Lord came to me, saying, You have shed much blood and have waged great wars. You shall not build a house to my name, because you have shed so much blood before me, on the earth. Behold, a son shall be born to you who shall be a man of rest. I will give him rest from all his surrounding enemies, for his name shall be Solomon. And I will give peace and quiet to Israel in his days. He shall build a house for my name. He shall be my son, and I will be his father. And I will establish his royal throne in Israel forever. So initially, David charges Solomon and then tells him why. So right away, we see, then he called for Solomon's son and charged him to build a house for the Lord, the God of Israel. 
And then David explained to him. Gave him some details as to why it is that David did not begin to build the house of the Lord and how it was that he came to commission with great confidence Solomon to do this work. By the way, this, is, this was not a suggestion by dad. This is not, not okay, this is, well, this is what I want for you. It was not a plea, not a desire. It was a demand. It is a declaration of responsibility. You know, some things that we pass along to our children, we need to help them realize this is not, this is not a suggestion. I'm not pleading with you. I'm telling you that this is, this is actually a command. This is what God requires of us. To help them understand, hey, listen, you're going to be held accountable for this. Because God has called you to this. There's some very basic things as far as our faith is concerned that God has called us to. It's not an option. It's not some kind of a suggestion from the Lord. It's not just something, especially not something that we have just kind of drummed up as far as parents are concerned and want to just pass along to you. This is, this is a suggestion. It's not. It's, it's God's word. It's a command. I just want to let you know this is, this is something that you're going to be held accountable for. This is how David approached Solomon. This was a charge. This was, in other words, a demand. It is a declaration of responsibility. You see, he explained to him how it was that he desired to build the temple, but he explained to Solomon why the Lord had prohibited him from building the temple. He told him, as Solomon well knew, he was a man of war, he had personally shed much blood. And so the answer to this, God told him, you will have a son. His name shall be Solomon. And he shall build a temple. Solomon, the one who will assume the throne of Israel, will enjoy peace from all of his enemies. I will give him peace, is what the Lord was saying. I will give him peace. And will be the one, he will be the one to build a house for the name of the Lord. In other words, to bring him glory to worship him, to be the the center of praise. And David, in this moment, as he was commissioning his son in obedience to the Lord, he gave his son this confidence. He encouraged him. He placed within him that confidence knowing that the Lord was with him. The Lord, the God of Israel, will be with you, my son Solomon. And the Lord said, he'll he'll establish your throne forever. As we consider the genealogy in Matthew, God was true to his word. It states it right there. Solomon is right in that genealogy. And in Christ, he will know that throne is established forever. It will be done with God and for God. You know, we as New Testament believers have been commissioned by Jesus to make disciples of all nations. And we can be confident knowing that Jesus is with us until the very end. In fact, I read this earlier. I'll read it again. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. This is a commission. It's a charge. It's not a suggestion. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them, because it goes on, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So the Lord gives us a commission. Then he tells us, tells us, 
what we need to do. Then he tells us, but I'm going to be with you, even unto the end of the age. With Moses, he, he knew it wasn't worth moving without God. In Exodus chapter 33, verses 14 through 16, it says this, And he said, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest, is what the Lord told him. And he said to him, If your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us, so that we are distinct, I and your people from every other people on the face of the earth. Is it not God's presence that distinguishes us from all other people in the world? Absolutely. It's Jesus Christ. It's not because how great we are. There is no there goodness, there's no goodness in us. There's none righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Our righteousness is like a dirty garment. There's nothing good within us. The only thing that distinguishes us from everyone else is the very presence of God with us. We ought to be of the mind and just desire. If, God, if you're not moving before me, I, I don't want to move. But when he does move, know that he is with you. And he is faithful. He says he'll never leave you nor forsake you. And so David, with these words, encourages Solomon with, with it and God's promise of care, God's word. Again, think about God's word. Verse 11 says, Now, my son, the Lord, will be, uh, the Lord be with you, so that you may succeed in building the house of the Lord your God as he has spoken concerning you. Only may the Lord grant you discretion and understanding that when he gives you charge over Israel, you may keep the law of the Lord your God, then you will prosper if you are careful to observe the statutes and the rules that the Lord commanded Moses for Israel. Be strong and courageous. Fear not. Do not be dismayed. With great pains I have provided for the house of the Lord a hundred thousand talents of gold, a million talents of silver and bronze and iron beyond wane, for there is so much of it. Timber and stone, too. I have provided. To these you must add. You have an abundance of workmen, stonecutters, masons, carpenters, and all kinds of craftsmen without number, skilled in working, gold, silver, bronze, and iron. Arise and work. The Lord be with you. With this we see it's obvious. David's desire for Solomon to succeed in the stewardship of this commissioned work but we also within this understand that it was not guaranteed. If Solomon failed to observe the word of God and do the work, it won't do, it's, it won't be completed on its own, right? Um, tell that to people. Our kids, well, that chore won't get done by itself. Uh, for people who employ others or are supervisors, you may find yourself saying this too, right? Hey, that work is not going to get itself done by itself, right? It just, it's common sense, right? So with us, though, we can have the word before us, but if we're not willing to do it, it's not going to get done. Not in ourselves, not in our lives. The Lord desires that we be obedient, that we may not only be fruitful, but that we, be, we would in that be a blessing to others and bring him glory. David knew this. His desire that Solomon would succeed in the stewardship of this commissioned work. But if Solomon failed to observe the word of God and do the work, then of course it wouldn't be done by Solomon. David, well... He made all the preparation for the building of the house of the Lord. It had been, for the most part, completed. But again, Solomon had to follow through. And it, will all, it, would, it would have all come to a halt if God 
was not acknowledged and his word was not observed individually and as a nation and as their king. God has a work for Solomon to do, but he also has a way in which it is to be done, a way in which it is to be fulfilled. First of all, as we see here, it's with discretion and understanding. Now, my son, the Lord be with you so that you may succeed in building the house of the Lord your God as he has spoken concerning you. Only may the Lord grant you discretion and understanding. We begin there. You see, David was praying that the Lord give him discretion and understanding. Discretion is discipline and thought, word and action. It is acting with self-control and also, in this sense, discreetly. Having the discernment of how to be and when to be and who to be discreet with. He is to share what needs to be shared with those who need to know and can handle the information And is stationed to do something about it. See, leadership requires the development of personal and professional discretion. Everyone doesn't have to know about everything. Most people perhaps can't handle everything. Don't need to know everything. Whether you want to or not. That is what is practiced within the church, at this point with King Solomon. And this is what David was asking the Lord that he impart upon Solomon. With this comes understanding. David prayed over Solomon that God would give him discretion and understanding. And these two go together to perceive, to comprehend, to see clearly and have sound judgment of a situation. This is the ability to discern. In fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 says, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. If you lack wisdom, where do you go? Hopefully you go to God's Word. You ask God to give you wisdom. And according to God's word, when you do ask without doubting and sincerely, he won't hold back from giving it to you. You know, James 1.5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. And so David asks that God would give Solomon discretion and understanding so that he may succeed in the building of the temple. And that when he is given charge or the responsibility to lead, to govern God's people, that he may do it with obedience to the wisdom he gets from the Lord. God has a work for Solomon to accomplish, but he also has a way in which it is to be done with discretion and understanding. And by, secondly, leading and governing with the law of God according to his word. In verse 12, it says, Only may the Lord grant you discretion and understanding that when he gives you charge over Israel, you may keep the law of the Lord your God. And so it has to serve the very word of God as the foundation upon which he stands and governs the people of God according to his word. And thirdly, by personally observing God's word. Then, in verse 13, then you will prosper if you are careful to observe the statutes and the rules that the Lord commanded Moses for Israel. A personal observation of God's word. In order for Solomon to be successful at building the temple and successfully leading God's people, he must govern according to God's word and uphold it among the people and be personally obedient to it. Having personal, spiritual, biblical integrity. James 1.22 says, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. And that is no respecter of persons. Fourthly, David gave this to Solomon, 
and that is be strong and courageous. In verse 13, as he continues, says, Be strong and courageous, fear not, do not be dismayed. As long as he was faithfully following God, leading Israel by God's word, then God would continue to bless him and give him success wherever he went and whatever he did. But in this, Solomon was to be strong, courageous, not being fearful, and not losing hope. So it wasn't enough to give him discretion and understanding. Make sure that you apply the word of God in governing God's people. You personally follow the word of God as well. But hey, I just want to let you know, be strong and courageous. Fear not and do not be dismayed. Not be fearful, not to lose hope. In what though? In following God's word and Governing by it? May there be no opposition from within or without that will ever lead us to a place where we act out of fear and hopelessness in opposition to the Word of God. Listen, uh, fear can come upon us in a moment. If we allow our thoughts to go just without discipline in our minds, We can be led to a place of hopelessness. And that's all in direct opposition to the word of God. We get fooled into thinking that which is not true. And David was warning him, hey, listen, this is what could happen. So make sure that you operate in this manner. That you draw close to the Lord. That you are strong and courageous. That you are not filled with fear. And that you do not lose hope. Solomon was warned that this could definitely happen. And we are amply warned throughout scripture of this potential. And sometimes we, we talk so much about that. And not understand, hey listen, some things need to just be dismissed. We know about these things. It's not that we can't talk about them, but how much time are we giving them? And are they keeping us from continuing to do that which God desires for us to do? This is what Solomon was warned of. You see, these things could have kept Solomon from doing the things that God had commissioned him to do. Joshua was warned of this when he was commissioned or charged by God to assume the leadership of Israel and bring them into the promised land. You you can refer back to Joshua chapter 1. He was also told, Joshua, not to depart from the law and to be strong and courageous and to not fear nor be dismayed. The same way Solomon was told to stay faithful to God and to his word. And with this, David told Solomon what he had gathered for the building of the house of the Lord. There's much that he had gathered together. Two things David told Solomon with this. Number one, Solomon was to add to that which is still needing some help to what, was, what had been gathered. Much had been in great abundance, but there, was a few, there were a few things that still needed to be added. So he needed to participate in that. Add to it. Number two, As it says here, arise and work. The Lord be with you. Arise and work. There's a time. We've done all this pre-work. We've done all this preparation. But there's a time when it's just arise and work. The Lord be with you. Verse 17, David also commanded all the leaders of Israel to help Solomon his son, saying, Is not the Lord your God with you? And has he not given you peace on every side? For he has delivered the inhabitants of the land into my hand, and the land is subdued before the Lord and his people. Now set your mind and heart to seek the Lord your God. Arise and build the sanctuary of the Lord God, so that the ark of the covenant of the Lord and the holy vessels of God may be brought into a house built for the name of the Lord. 
And so finally, with all of this, David called all of the leaders of Israel. And he called on them and commissioned them. This was all to build the house of the Lord. And as I commented from the very beginning, leadership, the organization of leadership within the pages of Scripture, and I've said this time and time again, God, you see, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't continually change. He's not like that. But we see it consistently through the Scripture, through the pages of Scripture. How it is that the, the way leadership is organized in God's economy, is seen again here. How there is a leader being led by God, leading other leaders to lead the people that were entrusted to them in order to do the work. It's all a stewardship. The leader is entrusted with the stewardship of those leaders under his care. And then those leaders also have this stewardship. When we understand it doesn't belong, the work does not belong to us. It's been entrusted to us. Oh, we handle it differently. It's not, it's not mine. It's not for anyone's benefit, but the Lord's. Well, we handle things differently. But this is consistent throughout Scripture. And it's all for the purpose of accomplishing the work. And so here we see the stage is set for the work to be accomplished, to do the work, and everyone is to participate, every single person. What is required? Well, the same thing as we saw with Solomon, mind and hearts that are set on seeking the Lord. That is what all of us should have. Minds and hearts that are set on seeking the Lord. Do you trust in Him? Do you serve Him as you serve others? Is His glory all that matters? Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. What does it mean to seek the Lord our God? It means to pray for and follow through with what we've already gone through, with what David instructed Solomon with. That's how we seek the Lord. It's not something, again, it's not something mystical. It's something very concrete. We don't stand on something that is shifting It's something that's understandable by everyone. And that is the very word of God. How do we seek the Lord our God? Well, we pray. We conduct our lives according to the word of God. And then we encourage others to do the same. Well, everything's set, people are prepared. Materials are gathered as well as people resources. And now it's time to arise and build the sanctuary of the Lord. To house the presence of the Lord as the ark of God is brought in and serve him. And in doing so, bringing him glory and honor. Same principles used for the building of the church. In Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11, it says, And he gave the apostles the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love.
We are here to do this very work. What do we do? Well, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And Jesus said, and all these things will be added to you. Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And he says, and I will be with you to the end of the age. And so for us, as we have learned, this is what the Lord desires. Desired this of Solomon. Desires this of you and I today. Arise and work. The Lord be with you. Arise and build for the glory of God to further the gospel of peace and lead more people to salvation. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the encouragement of your word. Lord, the instructions that you give us. Lord, uh, apply today just as well as they did back then and they will tomorrow and the next day. I pray, Father, that your people, through the understanding of Scripture and what we just covered, Lord, would be further equipped and encouraged, Lord, built up and deeply rooted in your word that we may also arise and build to participate in some way, shape, or form in the ministry, Lord, to to serve you, to bless you. Lord, you've given us confidence according to your word that you are with us and you've equipped us for every good work. I pray, Lord, that we would be faithful to you and we would bless and honor you, knowing that it's just an expression of our love toward you. Lord, you, you have saved us by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord, to Lord, walk according to the Spirit and be willing to simply bless and honor you by what we do, what we think, and what we say. May you be blessed, Father, in this place. In Jesus' name, amen.